Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here. If you like this show and you want to make your own, let me tell you about the free platform Anchor. It's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. You can add songs from Spotify and create any type of content that you are looking for. Anchor will distribute it all for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space, and I know I'm going to make mistakes, we're all human. And so I think in that regard, when you have genuine people who are out here who are just living life as a human being and they make mistakes and we cancel them, I think there's a missed opportunity to teach, a missed opportunity to have a conversation and to understand someone's perspective and experience. And we don't have to agree on everything, but I think it is problematic to discard people like trash, really, if they make a mistake. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Do you have a burning question you're dying to get feedback on? Do you want an unbiased perspective on a situation you're facing? If so, visit cultivatingherspace.com and click Ask Dr. Dom under the Start Here option. Every Tuesday, I'll choose a few questions and answer them at random. Some people you can work with and some people you can work around. That quote comes to us from Miss Loretta Ross, a professor at Smith College. Today, we are talking about cancel culture. And so that quote comes from a New York Times article where Miss Ross was interviewed speaking about her course that is encouraging folks to call people in instead of canceling them out. So T, when you hear that quote and you think about like, you know, like what we're talking about today, what comes up for you? You know, Adam, this quote makes me think about a quote that you have shared on the podcast that I have begun to sort of use as a mantra in my life and it's focused on what you can control, right? Mm. And so I think that this is an empowering quote. I really like it a lot because instead of focusing your energy on the people that are not on board, the people that are 
you know, the naysayers, right? The people that are in opposition to what you're doing. It's saying, hey, some people you can work with. It's seamless. It flows, right? And then the people that are not on board, it's like, all right, you know, excuse my French lady, but fuck them. And then you just work, you work around them. It's like, all right, cool. That's where they are. We're going to move in this direction and continue to drive forward whatever mission we have. So that's what I think about when I hear this quote. What about you, Don? What comes up for you? I don't even know exactly what I was thinking because I got distracted by what you were saying, right? <laughs> like my thoughts got interrupted with what you were saying because I love that, right? That this really is an opportunity for us to decide what is within our locus of control. And we'll talk about this like later on in the episode, but who are the folks that we can really work with and why? And then who are the folks that we need to say, fuck them and move around them? You know, Mm -hmm. I, I love that. I think that that really is a good way to look at it. And I think it encourages us to figure out where best to harness our energy, right? So if we're saying there are some people that I can work with, and if I can identify those people that I can work with, then I'm going to put energy into that. But if there are some folks that I know I need to work around, then that allows me to free up energy too, because it tells me then if these are the people that I need to work around, then that also what it's simultaneously saying is these people will not get my energy. Right. Like I don't need to waste time convincing people that already showed me this is where I'm at. This is what I believe in. This is what I support. All right, bet. If you are a racist bigot and you have views that, you know, are anti-Black, why waste my time trying to convince you like black people are amazing. Black lives matter. Yo. All right. That's where you're going to be. I'm moving in this direction. And you're able to capitalize on the momentum by working with people that are for what you're for. But Dom, here's the thing though, this topic around cancel culture and calling in versus calling out, it's very controversial, like, especially when you consider social media. So when do you recall like hearing cancel culture? Because although I know the words are not foreign or new to us, it did sort of permeate the collective consciousness at a certain period of time. And now it's like a, I don't know, this go-to word. It's part of our lexicon, right? Is exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. So When we say cancel culture, like I think about what immediately comes up for me is the Me Too movement that kind of really took off, even though we know that Tarana Burke had this hashtag back in, I want to say, 2006, I believe. It was pretty early on. When she first created the hashtag Me Too, It was a long time before there were several years in between when she created that hashtag versus when it there was a swelling of use. Right. And that swelling of use came about in 27 around 2017. And so for me, that's when I think about like cancel culture becoming a thing. Right. Like. I know that they were, you know, the term canceling folks was like maybe happening before then, 
but like the act of canceling someone was happening before then, but actually using the term we're canceling so-and-so and and then the overall term cancel culture, for me, I can remember it being really prominent around the Me Too movement. What about for you? That's a good point. I actually, I had to look at a few articles and I saw that it stated basically the same thing, that it, this came around in the collective consciousness around 2017. And so when I looked at the definition of, okay, what is it, like, what does cancel culture mean? Because now we have to define this because it's now, like you said, in our lexicon, it says that it's a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of social or professional circles, either online or on social media or in the real world, or both. And those who are subject to this ostracism are said to be canceled, right? Which is what we see a lot of times on social media where they're like, oh, you like oranges, you cancel. Or you said something problematic, you cancel. And there's this overuse of the word as well. It's interesting though, because I think that it's so, again, it's so complex. And lady, we'd love to hear your feedback about, you know, when should this be used? And I think for me, I have so, I mean, Dom, I I just want to dive on in, you know, about the feelings around it, because there is part of me that believes that there is a benefit in, I want to say, you know, canceling. I don't know. I think I, I think I, I have a problem with the word cancel. It sounds like we are this is so complex. So forgive me for my, (laughs) I feel like I'm just kind of thinking through this as I'm speaking about it, but it allows us to sort of discard people with ease and sometimes avoid a teachable moment. And I say this for people that y'all I'm saying this for people that mean well, like we had episodes on our podcast where we made mistakes. We said some shit where we were like, Oh, that was problematic or, oh, I didn't think about it from that perspective. That could be offensive to someone. And I think about in those moments, like if, if people on social media, I mean, our platform wasn't as big as it is now then, but I think if people banded together and they were like, fuck Terry Lomax, fuck Don, we're canceling y'all. You know, that would be so heartbreaking to me because I am an empathetic person. I'm very caring. I want to learn and I know I'm going to make mistakes. We're all human. And so I think in that regard, when you have genuine people who are out here who are just living life as a human being and they make mistakes and we cancel them, I think there's a missed opportunity to teach, a missed opportunity to have a conversation and to understand someone's perspective and experience. And we don't have to agree on everything, but I think it is problematic to discard people like trash, really, if they make a mistake. But at the same time, I think about people who are blatant and the, the one that comes to mind for me because of the times that we're in, like a blatant racist or bigot who you can pretty much see has no desire to uplift people or to learn. I mean, I think about Donald Trump. Let's just let's just call it out. Right. Donald That's Trump. exactly who I was thinking about. Yes. And people who subscribe to his ideas and morals and values. And those are individuals that, well. We're going to work around you. You know what I mean? But I think there is power in a collective sort of, I don't know, canceling, I guess, for people like that, because it's very problematic. It's dangerous when you support people like that, that stand for what they stand for, and that also have power 
Right. Right. It's not just a random, you know, bigot on the street that's just walking by and they're like, oh, this is my belief. But like you have power, you have influence, you have access to resources that I believe is worthy of canceling. Right. I don't know, Don. That's just me. That's just where I am today. Right. Yeah. And but, you know, I love what you just said. Right. Of That's where you are today. And Mm -hmm. I think that that raises that little piece of words raises a big point of you gave a time on this, right? Like you said, today, this is where I'm at. And to me, part of what happens with cancel culture is that people are willing to cancel folks who made comments 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And for me, that's where it can get a little tricky. I think about things that I said when I was maybe 17, 18, 19, right? Girl, girl. Uninformed, (laughs) but thought I knew it all, right? Mm -hmm. And hell, I think about things I might have said last year or the year before. Hell, two weeks ago. Mm that. Prior to certain information, it may have been offensive to someone, right? Or Mm -hmm. may have been ill-informed, right? And I think about that and think about, like, would I want people canceling me? Knowing the person that I am today, would I want people canceling me for something that I said 20 years ago? that is not anywhere near how I think or feel today because of the growth, right? Mm -hmm. And because of the information that I now have. Like I think about, for instance, I was watching, you know, when Netflix released the full series of Girlfriends, I went back and started rewatching all of those, those episodes because I love that show. What I find is that now, here we are, the year of our Lord, 2021, things that they were saying in those episodes from 20 years ago, I found myself listening to some of the things and cringing like, oh shit, they wouldn't get away with that today. But I think about that context of what the world was in or what the world was like and what the culture, the overall culture of society was back then. And now that's not saying that what they said was right, but I'm not going to cancel them for things that they said 20 years ago when I know, when I have an idea of how these people are, how these actresses are today, right? And then also recognizing that what they were saying was was part of a script of a show. So I'm not going to cancel them because of that. So I think about that aspect, right, of who are the people that when their past transgressions are brought to light, am I willing to move around in terms of forgiveness? Am I willing to say, let's have a conversation now to address what was said back then to get an understanding of How have you evolved now? If you haven't, then okay, maybe I do need to like 
cancel you and, and, and for real move around. Yeah, that's a really, really good point, Dom. And it makes me think about the question of, should we be defined by our lowest moment, right? Or our biggest mistake? When, like you said, I am so happy the social media wasn't out when I was, like, it wasn't what it is now. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, right? I did some dumb shit and said some just dumb stuff, right? And so if someone were to bring that back, I mean, that would be super embarrassing. But then my question is like, and a lady, there's no perfect answer for this. This is all just a conversation. So again, go to our social media at Her Space Podcast and let us know what you think. Like we want to know because this is tricky business, right? I think about, you know, I guess they have like the statute of limitations, right? At what point is what you did in the past no longer going to follow you? Or at what point should you no longer be held accountable? Like there's part of me that's kind of like, damn, if I said this 10, 15 years ago, do you need to bring someone forward to apologize now? When lady, you know, we grow and evolve many of us at rapid rates. Like I am not who I was five years ago, you know? So when you think about 10, 15 years ago, what should we do? Should we do nothing? Should we make them apologize? Like, you know, and I think a lot of this goes back to public figures, right? It's not really like the the random people on the street that you see or people even in your family. It's really the public figures that have an audience and a platform. I do want to read this little snippet, Dom, from Vox. There's an article called What is Cancel Culture Explained History Debate? And so I want to get your perspective on this. So Charity Hudley is a linguist and it says, Charity Hudley's point highlights what seems to many to be the bottom line in the conversation around cancel culture. For those who are doing the calling out or canceling, the odds are still stacked against them. They're still the ones without social, political, or professional power to compel someone into meaningful atonement, to do much more than organize a collective boycott. Because when you think about it, that's kind of what canceling is when we cancel, air quotes, cancel these, you know, popular, influential figures. It's sort of like a boycott, right? And if you Mm -hmm. do decide to cancel someone, how long does it last? What should reconciliation and forgiveness look like? So many questions to consider, right? Right. It's a lot. It is a lot to consider. And as you were saying that, it makes me think about, you know, how generally what we hear about, yeah, are the public figures. And oftentimes they're being canceled for things that they've done in the past. Like when we're talking about individuals, right? We tend to boycott a business easily, readily, Mm -hmm. right? For something that they did in the moment. But individuals, we do tend to say we're going to cancel them for something that they did in the past. And I do think that, to me, it can be pretty tricky, right? But I'm going to just toss a couple of names out there. R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. Bill Cosby, right? We know, as a collective Black culture, There's controversy around whether or not to cancel Bill Cosby, right? And there's controversy and like there's a lot of controversy surrounding that and like surrounding why things are happening the way they are for him. But those folks, those of us who have decided to cancel Bill, to me, it feels like the cancellation is because the behavior or the alleged behavior was repetitive. Right. 
that it wasn't a one-time transgression. It was repetitive behavior that involved hurting women. And then we have R. Kelly. And I think that the collective cancellation of R. Kelly has been met with a lot more support, even though there are some people who still support him. Like, and that I have not been able to wrap my head around that yet. But the overall collective has been willing to cancel R. Kelly because it has been repetitive behaviors, right? And I think, too, this goes back to what I was saying when I was talking about that episode, watching some episodes of Girlfriends and being like, that wouldn't fly today. Like, I think about how when R. Kelly had his first trial back in, I can't even remember the year, but whatever the first trial was, there were a lot of people that were in support of R. Kelly and saying, you know, like doing a lot of victim blaming and and not believing those young girls who today, fast forward to 2021, who today are readily saying, fuck R. Kelly, let's cancel him. And so to me, that speaks to how we evolve as a people as a culture. And so then it really makes me wonder if we fast forward 20 years from today to 2041, what are the things that are happening now that we're going to be canceling then? Or is it that we're not going to be canceling and maybe we will move into a space where we focus on only calling people in? Girl, that was definitely a lot. And I'm just processing. I was making a quick note as you said that. And yeah, it's tricky. This is definitely tricky. I'm just thinking about both of the situations. And like you said, it's repetitive behavior you're talking about. So I'm going to transition outside of the two men that you just brought up, because I don't want this to necessarily be tied to that in particular. Right. Outside of those two men, I want to say that Again, lady, I cannot stress how complex this is. I wish there was like a code of conduct for calling in and calling out. And maybe we should create one, right? Maybe if you're listening, you can go create one for us and we can like, you know, abide by this as a community because now it has me thinking about racism and Mm -hmm. the intersection of cancel culture and racism. Because what I noticed, we have a little Mm -hmm. list here, right? Mm -hmm. Of some of the men in particular that have been canceled. And I noticed that in the media, I just don't like when the media leads the way with the cancellation, especially when it's around black people, right? Because the way that black people are canceled is very different from the way that white people, especially white men are canceled. And so I think that if we're going to have a standard of canceling, like it needs to be across the board. It needs to be, Hey, you've done this to People, women, whatever, you have this perspective. This is how we're going to pull our support from you. There's a Time article, Dom, that I thought was really interesting. And it had, I just want to read a few excerpts. And so it talks about Louis C.K. 
It says Louis mm-hmm. C.K. admitted to masturbating in front of female comedians. He was dropped from his agency and HBO and Netflix cut ties with him, but he recently sold out five shows in my home city of Toronto. And they talk about Harvey Weinstein, how he was accused of sexual misconduct by more than 80 women. I don't even think they locked him up, right? They haven't locked him up. I don't think I, he- You know, honestly, I have stopped following that. I don't know yeah. for sure where that where that is. I think he may be in jail, but I don't know for sure where that stands. What I will say is, I mean, I don't want to compare sexual assault by any means. I would right. say that he and Bill Cosby allegedly violated women. But do you see how right. they were handled very differently in the media, right? Right, yeah. So I think about that, and I think that underneath this sort of cloak of cancellation, there is a layer of racism like every fucking thing in this world, it seems. There's the racism there. So that that's what becomes problematic for me because it's like, damn, do we jump on the bandwagon when the media and social media are strategically only trying to really put the hammer down on Black people? Yes, these people are wrong, right? Like, yes, they need to be held accountable. And I know there was a lot of outrage on social media when people were like, where's the Harvey Weinstein documentary, which I think they released. But it's like, there's still a very different way in which they handle these these situations. And so there's no right answer here, lady. Yeah, there isn't a right answer, because I think the thing that Mm -hmm. I would point out is that like if we're comparing like the if people are crying out for like a Harvey Weinstein documentary because there was an R. Kelly one, what I would point out is that the R. Kelly one was produced by a black woman, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think in part of why it happened was because like the onus kind of fell on on the black community to say, here, like this needs to be put out there, right? But I do appreciate what you're saying about that complexity around when we bring race into the picture. And and so then I think that's where I come to this this calling in piece of who are the people within our community? Because I think a lot of this should happen within the community, right? That I think about at the time that we're recording this episode, we're a few weeks out from the controversy around van jones and him appearing on the view and one of the view hosts kind of calling him out for playing both sides of the fence in terms of in one hand he's speaking about how much he loves the black community and wants to do for the black community and then the next hand it appears as if he is trying to pander to white people to me as much as i don't agree with van jones at all like there's something about his energy that just rubs me the wrong way. I think that that would be more of a situation where we do some calling in where we, as a community say, okay. And I don't even know who the community elders would be, right? Like maybe it's, maybe it's Oprah. I don't know. I lean on Oprah. Maybe it's Oprah. Maybe it's, maybe it's Angela Davis. Like we bring in some of the community elders to say, Van, let's let's sit around the let's sit around the fire and have this this come to Jesus conversation, right? Of here's what we're noticing and here's what we think like needs to be done differently, versus someone like 
R. Kelly, who to me, his behavior has just been so egregious that it's one of those behaviors that I'm like, I don't give a fuck. We, we, you out. Sorry, you out. Like, I don't have his behavior has been so egregious for me. And I can't speak to how other people would respond. But for me, it's one of those things where it's like, you got to go, bro. That makes perfect sense, Dom. And I appreciate, I mean, I definitely agree with that sentiment there. And as you were chatting and sharing, I just wrote down a few notes because it made me think about different questions that we could potentially ask ourselves when we're Mm -hmm. presented with an opportunity to potentially cancel someone. And I just, lately I have been so, I mean, I think this has just been something that we've talked about this on the podcast, but so frustrated with the media and the way that things are portrayed. I mean, it's just so sickening. I wish that it's just so sickening to see different agendas promoted. And then it's kind of, you know, it's really forced down our throat to the point that we either begin to believe or repeat the rhetoric that we see. And it reminds me of how, you know, back in the day when we listened to the radio a lot more than we probably do today, where you'd hear a song, you're like, I don't really, I ain't really feeling that song, but they play it all the damn time that you start singing it. And you're like, why am I singing this damn song? It makes me think about the programming, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that was just a little side note there. But the, the reason I said that is because it kind of fits in line with some of the questions. So the first thing I wanted to state is, although this may be, you know, hurtful to hear, I believe that black celebrities don't owe us anything. They don't owe us a damn thing. Yes, it is easy for us to see people that look like us who are in higher levels of status, I want to say. We may admire them and their stories, but they don't necessarily owe us anything, which kind of sucks because I feel like, you know, the life that that I live, if I am doing well and if I am in a position to give, I am community focused. Like I want to give back to my community. We do that with the podcast, right? Like this, that's important to me for me to continue to learn and evolve and be able to share that journey with, you know, people that listen to the podcast. And that's like my life's work is doing something to enhance my community, but everyone doesn't have that same agenda and they don't have to, which is something we need to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge, huge point, right? That we we generally feel that celebrities have a level of responsibility to the community. Mm -hmm. And you're right that they don't like, unless you have signed on to be an activist, like, and you've said like, I'm an activist, I'm doing activism, right? Mm -hmm. Or you're a politician. Cause then you clearly are beholden to the people who voted you in. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole nother conversation on how that really plays out. Right. Right. But like, yeah, I, I get that. That like, unless you have signed up for these roles that kind of like in the job description that you are for the people and you are beholden to the people, we as observers can get upset, can have feelings, emotions, thoughts around that person's behavior. But the reality is that, yes, that person does not owe us anything. 
And it brings me back to one of our episodes about all skin folk and kin folk. So as, as, yep. as endearing as it might be to see a black person who's out there winning, they may not have your same politics. They may not share your same perspectives or values. They may not even fuck with black people just because they're black. Okay. So we, we, I think have to manage our expectations when we see folks. Yes, it's okay to be inspired by someone, but it doesn't mean that we have to expect anything more of them. So that was one thing. I think also when things happen with these public figures leaning into curiosity. So I think that it's good that, you know, I forget the woman's name on the view, but the woman who questioned Van Jones. Sonny Hostin. There we go. The fact that Sonny questioned him, I think that's good. Like he's a public figure. He's standing, you know, as an activist for the community and we're seeing some shady shit. Let's lean into curiosity. If he's a public figure, we're going to call him in publicly, have a conversation, ask the hard questions, and then we get to decide as individuals and possibly as a collective, the questions, does this person have my best interest at heart? We can kind of see if somebody's making phony. I didn't watch the whole interview, so I'm not sure like what his vibe was, but does this person have my best interest at heart? heart? What do I need to make a decision to support or withdraw support? So do I need an apology? Do I, as an individual, do I need to, you know, have a believable response? Like, what do I need to make that decision? Because I don't right. think that we need to let the media make that decision for us, like hopping on right. the bandwagon, you know, because like, and I, I'm going to use us as an example, Dom, of the media, you know, we start doing more for our community and they're like, oh, damn. They're on their black empowerment. They're black identity extremists. Oh my gosh, the Cultivating Her Space podcast. You know, they have a breakfast program. Oh my gosh, we're, we're now seeing them like the Black Panther Party. Like if they start associating us that way, then lady, you know, are you going to go with what the media is saying just because there's an agenda behind that where they're trying to infiltrate and diminish the work that we're doing for our community? Are we just going to believe them and run with that? So I think it's sometimes problematic to just go with what the media is saying. We should do our own research right. too, you know? Yep. Yep. I think that that's a really, a really good point. I like those questions. And then the, I got one more. <laughs> the next one is, am I letting someone else determine how I respond to this person and why? Right. Cause sometimes there's so much research done, like with the girl, with the R Kelly documentary, you know, I heard the rumors growing up, but then when I saw the documentary, I'm like, okay, yes, this was presented by the media and this shit is sick. And now I have a very different perspective on this. And although it was something that the media may have initiated, now that I have this this information before me and I see the stories of the women, I'm like, okay, now I feel like I can make a decision. I can also do further research on my own as well. But I think for us, it's important to know like actions speak louder than words. When I think about someone like Kanye, right, who at one point, He was for the people. Like you look at his old interviews, you think about old Kanye. He was for us, it it appeared, right? And and we was rocking with him. But then after time and time again, he continues to show his allegiance to forces and people that don't mean, you know, us any good. Then it began, then I began to question, okay, where do I stand and ask myself those questions, right? This might be someone I need to work around. And I may not choose to support him because of how he's portraying himself and his beliefs, right? I think about Diamond and Silk, who will just be cooning like all day long. I think I saw a post recently where they were like, oh, Donald Trump will always be my president. And just the way that they just, you know, try to pander and just go above and beyond, you know, to support racist bigots. Those are people I'm gonna work around you, you know? So, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the thing too, right? Like, like you said about like, 
making that determination of is this person, are their actions really for me? Is their general persona really for me? Like Diamond and Silk, like there's a piece of me that wants to call them in, right? And say, sis, let's have some serious conversation here. Let's talk about what's really going on. But then there's another piece of me that's like, okay, we've seen enough where because I know that I have no allegiance to the former president, because you are so clearly aligned with him, at that point, as much as I, there is a piece of me that has a soft, a general soft spot for black women in general, right? I have to work around because it doesn't seem to me that calling you in is the right way for me to channel my energy. And that calling you in doesn't seem like it would serve me in any way. And so then I think about, too, like the questions, like as you were thinking about questions, like there were some questions that I thought of as well, right? Like, so did the offense or the transgression, the act, whatever it was, did it break any laws? And what was the purpose behind breaking those laws, right? Because I think about laws that are put in place to harm black folks or and other people of color. And so I think about like drug laws, right? Am I going to call somebody out and or cancel someone because they're selling drugs? Technically, they're breaking the law, right? But I'm not going to call them out. But somebody's telling, like, I find out that someone is, has assaulted, has sexually assaulted someone. Yeah, I'm calling them out. Because that leads to my next question of, does that offense violate my boundaries or my values? So, yes, sexual assault violates a boundary. Yes. Hands down, yes. Does racism violate a boundary or a value? Yes, it does. And so those are the people, like when you engage in blatant acts like that, then yes, I'm, I'm calling you out, canceling you, I'm done. And then my next question is, will someone, will me or someone I love be hurt? by continued association with that person. So if I continue, if I say, okay, I'm going to call you in and we're going to have this conversation, am I risking you doing, being associated with you? Am I risking the safety, whether that is physical or emotional safety of those around me or myself? If I'm not sure of the answer to that question, then you got to go. I think those are great questions, Dom. This might be our code of conduct. Like, we may have come up with the code of conduct. Like We can ask ourselves these questions, right, as we see things cross our radar, you know, when there's an opportunity yeah. to call someone in or call someone out. 
slash cancel them or whatever it might be. Like these are great questions to ask. And um, you shared this quote with me that I'd love to just kind of end on because we talked about calling in and calling out, but didn't really define calling in explicitly, I want to say. And so the quote that you shared was, the antidote to the outrage, Professor Ross believes, is calling in. And calling in is like calling out, but done privately and with respect. It's a call out done with love, she said. That may mean simply sending someone a private message or even ringing them on the phone to discuss the matter or simply taking a breath before commenting, screenshotting, or demanding one do better without explaining how. And I mean, when you think about it, many of us, we're not going to have, I mean, who knows? I don't know. Social media does open the doors for, you know, limitless connections, I want to say, but many of us probably won't have the opportunity to call out or call in these big figures unless they decide to like respond to you on Twitter or DM or something like that. But I think that people that do have bigger platforms that have the ability to have those conversations, this could definitely be something that they consider. And we could even do this in our personal life as well. When, you know, whether you're at a university or in the, you know, at your job or whatever it might be, when a situation comes up and you hear someone say, say something out of pocket, I actually think I just thought of a work incident that happened and people called this person in and they apologized and expressed their sincerity for the issue, you know, the thing that happened. And then we moved on. So we can definitely use this in our personal life as well. It's very important. Hey lady, it's Terry here from Cultivating Her Space. Are you tired of working hard for your money? Do you want your business to run smoothly when you're out of office? If you want to learn how to automate your business cash flow and increase your impact and influence, join me for my free workshop at brandwithterry.com. Again, that's brandwithterry.com. My name is spelled T-E-R-R-I. Hope to see you there, lady. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website, cultivatingherspace.com, and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. I am doing the best I can with the understanding, knowledge, and awareness I have at this moment.